0: Well, hello balls of magic. It's been a hot freaking second. Welcome back to our podcast, How to Be Queer. My name is Alex and I use they and them pronouns. Hi Alex. It's Kim. <laughs> well, Kimmy, what are your pronouns?
1: My pronouns are she, her. Um, it's been a minute. It has.
0: Before we get started, we got to give a hot shout out to our sponsor, Youth Seen. <laughs> yes, go, we do. Go over to their website org, and um Hit that donate button. Show them how much you love them.
1: Yeah, I, I, I want to just like start off by saying like we we we've gotten we get so we do get a lot of really wonderful feedback from people that listen. So thank you. We've gotten some really lovely emails and text messages and um, stuff on our TikTok accounts, and it's we just needed a minute. Speaking of the talk talks
0: of ticks, do you need to? to to do anything on here
1: on tiktok
0: are we just we just telling people on tiktok that we're
1: i i will i will start because i kind of took a break from I've, I, I and listen i have like a love-hate relationship with tiktok <laughs> you're really good about being on and like posting different pieces of content i suck at it <laughs> and so i will take like really 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 long breaks and be like yeah i don't i don't want to I don't want to do it. I don't. I did, don't hey, want to do <laughs> it. I don't want to do it. I think it's. I wonder sometimes if it's a, like a generational thing. Hmm, but then I see lots of creators that are midlife and doing amazing things with the content. It's just I don't think I can wrap my head around. Like, because I, I go into the space of like, well, nobody gives a shit what I'm doing or what I have to say. <laughs> Why would I put it out there? Like, nobody gives a fuck. Oop! F bomb warning.
0: Oh, oh <laughs> number one, start your checking. <laughs>
1: Um, but we are, I, I did, you know, we haven't done our podcast since January. Um, I want to like kind of normalize like what burnout feels like. Mm -hmm. And so I was feeling really burned out and like, I didn't have a lot to say. And then I've had a couple interesting things happen over the last two months. And I guess that's kind of like, you've been just like plugging along, like you're on your path and your purpose. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to blow up a whole bunch of stuff in my life and like actually intentionally take a break. Yeah, which has been really fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's been really. I'll just use. I'll just say it's been really beautiful to witness you.
1: Really? Because yeah. I feel like I've been a giant pain in the ass.
0: <laughs> really not? We can
1: call that beautiful.
0: <laughs> well, I saw. I saw. Um, Dr. J, fa- the founder of You've Seen, posted on their Instagram, speaking of so- social media, that that patience is a love language.
1: Okay, so tell me more.
0: Well, that's all I got.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just, Such a good thing we're back on this podcast. That when
0: you really, really love someone, you can have, you know, and there's equal balance of love between the two of you. You can have infinite patience.
1: Oh, I mean, I would think so. so instead of talking in code, I'll just tell people like oh. what I what I did. Um, but I had. I had done, um, like most people do when you're, you know, a lot of people do vision boards mm-hmm. for the year, you know, coming forward. I've done one the last three years and I have felt it to be Um, just really powerful and like, kind of just like laying out like, Hey, this is, this is what I want for the next year. And a lot of times, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm very organized in type a, I do Mm -hmm. it in like quadrants, right? Like I'll pick like four different aspects of life that I want to focus on. And then I put different imagery and words and things that I just want to try to keep my focus, um, of those things. And so for 2023, I did this, this, um, word search thing that it was like, Hey, so take, take a couple words, like see what does like, relax your brain, relax your eyes. What words kind of pop out at, yeah. you at the stage at this stage. And so mine was connection, health, um, family and change. Okay. Okay. So I do my vision board and the next morning, I woke up from that vision board and this was in December. And I looked at you and I was like, I need to schedule a certain surgery. Mm -hmm. And, um, the surgery that I decided to schedule, I went to, um, surgeon. I, you know, of course it like takes weeks to get in with the surgeon. There's all sorts of things with insurance. Um, I go through all the steps and the surgery gets scheduled for February 8th. And I found out like a week before. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's a six week recovery. It's, it's, um, Oh, Got captain on underbite, made an appearance. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not telling the story very well, but it, essentially, one of the changes, which was one of my words. Yeah. And then health was another one of my words. Mm-hmm. Um, I have known for a long time that I am at high risk for breast cancer. And um, if you don't know me in person, um, you, I will describe my body only for the purposes of understanding the second part of the surgery, but I'm about five foot seven. I weigh on a good, you know, anywhere between like 145 to 155 pounds, depending on how much pasta and wine I've had the <laughs> night before. And I'm, I, or my, you know, cause we have to use bra size a little bit, but I'm a 32 or was a 32 triple D.
0: And
1: in addition to that, I had very, very dense Breast tissue and this thing called calcifications, which when you get a mammogram, it shows up as these like white, um, it almost looks like constellations. Oh, okay. Like in your breast tissue. So the combination of being at high risk for breast cancer, um, which means that I was over the 25%, and this is due to family history, um, and that I was like constantly walking around, like I felt like I had two cantaloupes on my chest all the time. And a, multitude of decades of people objectifying what i what, what i have what, what most people that identify as as female have is some type of objectification of your body yeah and being a rather larger breasted woman it just felt fucking constant mm-hmm. <laughs> from the time i was probably like 13 or 14 years old mm-hmm. and so change one of my words and health I was like, I'm going to do this. And so found, um, Dr. Ma who, if you're in the, if you're in Colorado or even if you want to travel to Colorado, an amazing surgeon, she is, um, she identifies as female because I will tell you one of my things was that there was no way I was going to have a male surgeon do this. Yep. I don't care. You can fucking email me. I'm standing by that. Yep. I was not, I, I, I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also an amaz- amazing surgeon. Um, but I went in and had the surgery on February 8th and they removed about two pounds or as much breast tissue, really almost all of my breast tissue and kind of left me with like fat basically mm-hmm. for, for a new set of boobs. Yep. And it's been, I'm, <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> so the only way I can describe what my body looks like is they kind of like build like a new breast for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, they sit them very, very high up on your chest because gravity is, is eventually going to do what it does. And they're, it's going to lower and and the tissue is going to settle over time, yeah. but you kind of look like a Barbie doll for a while. Like, you know, how Barbie's boobs are like, yeah. right. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's very foreign feeling. And I will say like the recovery is it, it's no joke. It's you're you've you've got, I've got, I don't even know how many stitches do you think I have hundreds?
0: Oh, it definitely hundreds. Yeah, and and even the ones on the inside, Dr. Ma was like, "I," she spent three hours, like just Just stitching. stitching. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, the surgery itself is a five-hour surgery. Um, You're in a six-week of not really being able to have a ton of physical movement. Like, I will tell you, the last two and a half weeks, I have barely been able to move. Mm -hmm. Um, Which. not the most comfortable thing for me. I haven't been able to drive. I drove for the first time today mm-hmm. and Juliet was in the car with me and I was like, I'm going to test this out. I'm going to drive her to school and back and see how I feel. I felt great. And all I could do was I kept looking at her being like, I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> i am free um i felt like a 16 year old again when you get first get your driver's license and you're like i can go wherever i want mm-hmm. i mean i can't but you know
0: yeah i think it's so important to have those moments where you like you know you're in this position where you're reminded of the gift of your own body
1: well and that's what you and i have been talking about a lot yeah. um i'm i'm Hugely privileged in a couple ways. I just need to name, and then I want I want to shift over to what you've been working on. But I'm very privileged in that I had a job um, where I was I was going to receive paid time off, Mm -hmm. and so you know that was a privilege and a gift in itself. Um, so I was able to, you know, schedule the surgery. It was also able to have insurance pay for a really good portion of it because it was deemed medically necessary for me to do the surgery. Mm-hmm. You can get the surgery outside of insurance. You just have to pay for the whole thing, which is it, it's somewhere between 10,000 and $12,000 is what I understand. Cause I have had, I do know a couple people that have had to pay for it without insurance um, saying, Hey, this is medically necessary. Mine was deemed medically necessary, yeah, which is. Again, a privilege that I have access to that type of to that healthcare. They did not actually make me jump through a lot of hoops. I know that for if 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 you're listening and you're thinking of getting the surgery, there can be a lot of like what my surgeon described as hoop jumping, meaning you have to go through physical therapy. You would have to sometimes for you have to go through weight loss, um, which I know if 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 my my regular doctor is like we're never going to talk about your weight, like it would be ridiculous to talk about your weight. But I was expecting that they were going to come back and give me some type of reason that they weren't going to pay for it, but that didn't happen to me. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Yeah. They looked at, they, they take pictures of you. They looked at me, they knew my family history and they were like, yep, approved. And I was like, Holy shit, this is actually going to happen really quick. And it did. Mm -hmm. It was like within six weeks I was in, in the operating room.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I just wanted to name a a couple of those things that I was able to do the surgery because I have access to a lot of different things that were going to support it. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I'm kind of on that, like, other side a little bit of healing where i can start to return in some ways to normal life um i'm going to talk about exercise in a minute but i kind of wanted to share because i one of the other privileges i have is that i'm married to somebody that for your purpose in life is to i don't even want to say it because you were saying it so beautifully yesterday i don't know if i got to like repeat it again um yeah i think as a
0: trainer, as a fitness instructor, as a, as a personal trainer, um, and more re- recently, I got my life coach certification, kind of pulling in that behavioral um, emotional piece that people can heal themselves through. I mean, there's many ways. There's lots of things that go into it, but how, how important movement is and a lot of the foundation being your body is built to move whatever your body looks like. It is, it is built to move and it's designed to move. You're a, you know, you're a machine of muscles and bones and we can go into that, you know, realm, but like movement is
1: life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think one of the things that you and I have talked about that, you know, when you say like, you know, you had to be really patient with me because there's a lot of time on your hands when you're recovering from surgery Mm -hmm. And when I, you know, cause I, I love, I love working. I love my job. And that was not going to be something I could do. I didn't, I don't have, I did not have a probably until like maybe the end of last week, the mental ability to even really focus because I was in so much pain Yeah. Um, or you're on pain medication, which you're like, what color is this guy today? Right. Like you you just can't. Um, so then you're left with like a lot of time to think about not moving your body. Yeah, And it really changed um, my perspective in a, in a good way, because I think, you know, and you and I've talked about this, that a lot of times I'd seen movement as a means to an end, mm-hmm. meaning like, well, I ate all of this. Now I need to move almost as punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird because I there's lots of different types of movement that I enjoy, but even when I enjoyed it, I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, how many calories did I just burn? Right. Which is really funny it's it's silly it's ridiculous and so taking away my ability to move i was like oh my god the the ability and access and time and and just you know it it's a gift it really shifted my mindset a bit
0: yeah like it's almost like your your lack your your needing the your body's need to rest made your mind move in a different way yeah Yeah. Because you had to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I really did. And I think I may be one of those people. I just needed a real, I was really burned out in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Burned out from this podcast, um, burned out a little, you know, as much as I love my job, but burned out a little bit from work and needing to do Mm -hmm. a mental reset there Um, burned out from my body burned out of, and I guess, you know, for anyone out there that if you're in a body that is, is, there's if there's something about your body that you're like I just can't like there was no way I was ever going to whittle myself down into a breast size that was going to feel more comfortable mm-hmm. that wasn't going to leave me with like indentions in my shoulders and back pain and um you know constantly feeling like I had to walk or sit hunched over um there's nothing i i think when i was younger i probably was really and judgmental about people that receive some type of plastic surgery and thinking like, well, can't you just love yourself and body positivity? And like, honestly, I couldn't. Yeah. I really couldn't. Yeah. Um, And so I think I now look at any human that decides like, Hey, I'm actually just going to go to a surgeon and, and, and do this. Like I see it very differently than I did when I was younger, mm-hmm. like body positivity. It's awesome. I love the body positivity movement and also like, it is okay to, if you really feel like you need to change something.
0: Yeah. I, when I was thinking about this, um, I've been kind of, this has been on, on, on the burner in in, in my mind too, about body positivity and how easy it is for the anti-trans, um, narrative to be like, well, just accept your body, your biological body as it is. And I'm like, it is so much more complicated than that. And that actually embracing your body is doing the things to it that make you feel more whole. Oh my
1: God, say that again for the people in the
0: back. <laughs> um, like things like hormone therapy, gender affirming surgery. If you and do you want me to actually repeat? Yeah, yeah
1: like no, well, no, 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 no. I'm oh. just like making the point of like that was said th- like heck yeah.
0: Yeah. I think being a queer person. In fitness has really kind of helped me like shift my perspective of like, you don't have to accept it as is. You just have to make it. If you feel whole and at peace in your body, do whatever you want to your body.
1: I guess. Absolutely. And that I think is just lesson learned. Like I'm 47 years old and it took me a really long time to be able to say, this it's not, I, I I am being body positive by saying, I'm going to change this thing. Exactly. And it took me for some reason, a really, really, like I should have had this surgery 10 years ago. Mm. Right. Like when I, when I found out that I was at high risk for cancer and it was like the combination of those two things of like medically, like they're going to tell you this is okay to do, but why wouldn't I have just embraced it 10 years ago to be like, I could have had 10 years of feeling a hell of a lot better in my body. And yeah. I just, I, for some reason I was like, no, 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 just keep working on yourself. Just keep. And I, I guess I just needed that kick in the pants of like seeing those words come out. That was, um, you know, health and change. Like you're going to keep doing the same thing you're doing. or Are you going to actually change to get where you want to go?
0: Yeah. It's just that, that inevitable place where you, you, you got there when you got there and all the things lined up. I don't know. You're such a healing speaker. You have infinite patience for me. <laughs> well, I was thinking about it too. Like ten years ago, um, James was six and Juliet was was four. Yeah, like it would have
1: been <laughs> It would have been a little bit of a different healing process, right? Because totally. you're you're you know being a, a mother for young children is very physically demanding. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So I don't know that it would have anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's, it's kind, kind of, of a, it's kind of like pointless sometimes to look at things like that in life. Like, well, why didn't I do this then? Like, because I didn't, Yeah, right. Exactly. Because I didn't. And that's just, all that,
0: that's all that matters, but. accept the journey as it is.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say for, um, for anybody that's thinking about this surgery, like it is, it is shocking to see what they can what they can do and what your body looks like. Mm -hmm. And it's also a little bit of a mind eraser because you, you know, you go in for five hours that you're under. So when you come out like five hours of general anesthetic, like you're messed up anyway, Mm -hmm. it takes a while to get like that feeling of that drug, like out of your bloodstream. Um, but you go in your body looking one way and then you come out and your body's like not your own. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a weird feeling. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, you're left with those, um, with those subconscious beliefs about your body you know, like you're, that's all still in there. And so like, yeah, you went under the knife or a person goes under the, under the knife for five hours. You're like, oh, I
1: physically look different, but my brain's still the same. (laughs) Well, and then I was telling you, like, I had this weird thing where I'm like, well, what did they do with my body? Like, where did it go? (laughs) Is this real life?
0: No, I'm kidding. Yeah.
1: Well, and doesn't that tell you a little bit of my conditioning as being female is I'm like, I felt like I had to like take care of Like the part of my body that they took out where i'm like i don't want to be messy and i don't want to like cause a problem for anyone do i need to go into the or and like take responsibility for my body part that's just i don't know where it went well i'll ask dr ma that today yeah fascinated to know what they actually do with the tissue oh yeah
0: i would like to know that too i'll ask dr ma when i see them today i think one of the one of the interesting things can I, can I share totally. a little bit? So right when I was allowed to come into a recovery room, um, I guess, dear, dear listeners, I almost said viewers, uh, listeners just kind of like, Kim is always her humanitarian way of thinking and being is just even when she's just woke up from surgery, she's like, "How is everyone else doing?" Oh, <laughs> like you were like, "How's home? What's mm-hmm. happening?" And you were, and I was. I just want to be like, "Oh, honey, like, <laughs> don't worry about anybody else but yourself right now,
1: <laughs> girl. You a mess. You need to focus on yourself." <laughs> yeah, I mean, a part of that I think is is being a, um, is being a mom right like mm-hmm. we're always um which is a which is a gift i'm always thinking about sure. the, the four little beings in our in our life that we take care of um and it's it i i don't i don't know how to describe it other than the surgery is enough that it will physic you you it has to stop you like you yeah. literally just cannot move you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stitches you're wrapped up in like um almost like saran wrap yeah. for a couple days. Yeah. You've got ooze. I mean, it's just, it's a huge surgery. They basically are cutting you from one side of your body to the other. Yeah. And so even if I wanted to take care of people, like there was no way I was going to be able to do it.
0: Yeah. And, and from a trainer perspective, you know, your core is everything from your neck to your knees. So like they literally, you half your core got sliced open. Yeah. And it's, so it's, it's, um, yeah, you can't uh, try to rush yourself into moving again.
1: So what did we do over the t- two and a half weeks that I literally just like laid like a zombie on the on the on the sofa? It was
0: delightful. <laughs> there was a lot of reading and TV and making food and being like, I don't know, i I know it was hard. Mm-hmm. hard in lots of ways, but also
1: very um healing. I I I I did not do super well with it. I will say I found it really really challenging to just be still. She did actually a really good job. I I but maybe that's cuz you couldn't hear the voices inside my head. <laughs> I know. Um I did cuz I know we're not doing like a super a super long um podcast today. where are we're just kind of dipping our toes back in. But I did have some recommendations of like what actually helped me through. Oh yeah.
0: Share with you. Yeah.
1: So um the TV show you with mm-hmm. Penn Badgley, like, oh my God. <laughs> I freaking love that. And I and I what I really love about it is how apparently like women go batshit crazy for Joe who if you haven't read the book, like read the book, the book's actually really good. And then they, and then he has done an amazing job with that character. It is Joe to me when I read the book and then I saw him on playing him, but I, I, he even jokes about this where women are like, oh my God, I love Joe and Bo. And he's like, um, he's a serial killer. Like (laughs) (laughs) he's a horrible human. He's a stalker. He like abuses the shit out of people and then murders them. Like you should not like him but the show is highly entertaining and I loved season the last, the season that it's, it's broken in two parts. And so I watched the first part and I'm, and he's in London and I'm like, this is just deliciously fun. (laughs) So I watched that. I did outer banks with Jules. Mm -hmm. Um, that to me is a combination of like the Goonies and then maybe like a dash of like nine Oh two and Oh, right. Like Dylan McKay. I could have totally seen him chasing after like, the Royal merchant. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so loved that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I read a bunch of books when I could finally, the first week I couldn't get my eyesight to work.
0: Yeah. Which is really funny. Your, your focus. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I read, um, this one book called, uh, the house in the cerulean sea, which is if you are interested in like, learning some basic principles about DEI without like having to learn principles of DEI, like with, within with a, like a fictional spin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um it's super creative. Uh, but it's really, really good. House in the Cerulean Sea. And then right now I'm reading, I'm almost done with it, but this book called um Home Going. And it is hands down and it's won a bunch of awards. Um but it is, and I have to get the author's name for you guys. and I'm also I'm really sad. I don't know that I know how I, if i if I know the appropriate pronunciation of of um of her name, uh, but she, I, if I, I think I'm pronouncing it right, it's Ya. Gyasi. Um, she is uh, it, the the book is it, although they can't name it at this part of the book that I'm in. It's just known as the Gold Coast and also the Asante and Land, um oh. tribes. But the book is. It's a, it's a, it's, it's historical fiction novel. Um, but you know, a lot of times with historical fiction, we are learning obviously something incredibly valuable, but I've read just, I've read a ton of books that are, 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 are trying to understand, I guess people would call it critical race theory, Mm -hmm. even though critical race theory is the study of systems, not necessarily history, but you have to understand the history to understand the systems. So I've read, I mean, I don't even know how many at this point, of making sure that I was getting the education I should have gotten in school and didn't get because I got a whitewashed version of history, and so I've done. I, you know, when we say like you have to do the work, like that to me is the work. Like I had to go back and learn history, and so this one it's historical fiction, but it is probably if you are interested in in this and you should be, um, it is probably the best illustration I've ever had of truly understanding generational racial trauma of where it started and how it's just been weaved through. And the, and the author, she does an amazing job of giving you a first person narrative. She said it took her seven years to write the book mm. um, because of the amount of history of lived experience that she had to go in to understand like how to explain the yeah. complex narrative that is around um, caste systems and American slavery. It's just, the book is mind blowing phenomenal. And even I'm saying that even as a person where I've read a, a ton and it's not to take anything away from those other authors, mm-hmm. but she tapped into something that you literally cannot put the book down.
0: Okay, You just can't. I'll put the link in our, in the yeah. bio thing here.
1: Yeah. And then if anybody has thoughts on it, if you've read um, it's homegoing. And again, it's, I'm so, I apologize if I'm not quite pronouncing the the author's name correctly, but it's Yag Yassi. Um, it is now this book. I also understand she went to Stanford Um, and the book is now required reading for any student that is coming into Stanford university. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. One of the best books I've ever read. So if you haven't, if you haven't read that one, you should read it, but I'm always, I'm always reading and recommending books, but this one, like I, I, it's, it's, it's life changing.
0: Mm -hmm. That's, that's movement. You're
1: movement. You're always used to.
0: Yeah, moving your brain.
1: So, what else has been? So, I just like dumped a whole bunch of information. Have been what's going on with me? What's been happening with you? Uh, um,
0: so I am kind of like, um, I, I can just, I'm starting a couple different new jobs. Yeah, um, uh, returning to personal training, um, teaching at another teaching at a, at classes at a couple locations right now. And I just have moved into that space of um, in my brain, speaking of movement, my brain is like really trying to put words around what it is I'm doing. I just, and then I go to my body of like, I am exactly on the path I'm supposed to be. Um, and that knowingness and, and freedom has been really, uh, peaceful but so kind of returning home tapping into that space of of training and teaching and moving and healing and um and then doing it for a job yeah i'm reading a ton about uh, that so i have to on a i have to recertify some of my certifications that i've lapsed a little bit and so i um, I'm studying the American Council on Exercise uh, Coaching Behavior Change to get some CECs to recertify some stuff. And it's really just um, complemented the life coaching. And of course, as a trainer too, that, you know, I don't know another off the top of my head. And of course, call me out if, if, the, if you could think of something, but I don't, I can't think of another job where you're um, caring about people's minds and their and their bodies. Right. Um and I think that I wish on at some point in the future that corporate America or like businesses can really understand kind of pull in movement or some kind of like physical movement into their workspaces and I know some places do. Um but how that holistically benefits everyone, increases productivity, creativity, all that kind of stuff. So um where was I going with that? Um, yeah so that's one of the things I love about about what I do yeah. and, and I'm just finally in a space in my life where I have the emotional energy the um I was fighting one battle for uh, maybe 3 or 4 years and I kind of kind of coming out of that space with the with the with the court and all, all the stuff and um how much space it took up and it just I'm grateful for where I'm at and um you know life life keeps going and how intentional and much how much work it takes to build a kind and fulfilling life.
1: So do you mind if we like talk because this episode is basically just to like catch everybody up on where we've where we've been because mm-hmm. we did take an intentional break. Do you yeah. mind if we talk a little bit about because we've shared with people um, a lot of like what you've had to go through with the court system, yeah. Um, and we kind of left it off after you had essentially won mm-hmm. um, the court case, which allowed you to have total decision making um, for the for for especially for one one of our children, right? Um, that that was not going to be a shared responsibility with the biological father because as if you've listened to those episodes he should not have any decision making whatsoever with his children and the courts found that he was not a pro- he should not either <laughs>
0: yeah as frustrating as it was that they didn't ever and the court didn't want to name or i don't even know what the the process was where they didn't name and dismissed d- domestic b- abuse and transphobia is abuse so no one ever talked about that but in the end so truth has legs, queerness, love wins. Mm-hmm. It came through where like, if you can't make decisions in the best interest of your child, you lose the, 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 the privilege of making decisions.
1: And so that, but since that has happened, um, even though, cause we don't, I mean, really the reason we don't talk about it as much on here is because we can't stand giving him any type of space. Um, and he has sent you phony cease and desist letters. Yeah. Um, he still continues to threaten and try to, um, I mean, the blackmail has stopped.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's just redirecting. I think I think one of the things that helps me that I know that I have to talk about it, but it's, I, I had a, um, I read a quote one time about, you know, you talk about how to identify the abuse, not the abuser. Okay, And so it takes kind of like the power away from that one person. It's more like, no, 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 this this is how all these systems and this is what these behaviors do to all of us.
1: Well, if we're going to talk about the abuse, I would just say that abusers don't actually stop. They just find different ways to abuse. Right. Um, And so we are still dealing with the aftermath of the court system which is slow yeah and expensive um but we're still you know i mean this is a the, the abuse is it just takes on a different form
0: yeah cuz we stopped our our last you know we talked about the court trial which was in right. august and what we didn't cover And we just, we just needed to talk about giving giving ourselves a break. A break. Um, What we didn't really go into was that was then in October was a child support um, trial. Right. And that was like, that's the language that abusers speak.
1: Is control over money.
0: You want to go, you want to control money. Let's discuss money. Mm -hmm. And it um, was one step, another step forward in the, in the, Direction of freedom.
1: (laughs) The way that this abuse has taken form, though, is that the abuse is that, hey, I'm going to just not financially support my children at all. Yeah. And eventually, systems catch up to you when you do that. So if you have brought a child into this world, you are financially responsible for supporting that child.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the, the law doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. They don't they don't care. You you we are we are all responsible for financially supporting a life that we choose to bring into this world. Yeah. Um and so for you this has been a sit and work the system because <laughs> this the the abuse is showing up financially.
0: Yeah. I mean talk about a lesson a lesson in patience. Oh, when you have to just sit and just keep going.
1: Yeah. I just, I, sometimes I think I totally hear you. We don't talk about the abuser. We talk about the abuse and I've know, I know that we have lots of people that listen to our podcast that are grateful that you've spoken out because sometimes I think this type of abuse, like you said, like they, the court system had a really hard time seeing that abuse isn't just bruises on a body. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really, really, you know, the feedback that we get is that it's really good that you're normalizing talking about this yeah, um, because it helps other people navigate that system. I just, you know, we did take an intentional break because we both needed it. And I know you needed it too. I needed it, but the abuse doesn't stop. You just get better at seeing it and knowing what systems to work to be able to provide boundaries um, that minimize the impact of it, but the abuse doesn't stop.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a lot like the only way, um, you know, when you fear, well you've you and Dr. Jay have talked about fears the lack of knowledge. And so if you're fearing abuse and you you find yourself in this position where you can't even talk about it because you're scared of, what that person might do to you or what they might say about you. Like you got to find ways to, you have to. And I, and I'm saying that because I was, would, was coaching my myself through with obviously the support of you and everyone and the people around us um, to just keep going and knowing, like, I have to, talk about this and and understanding and educating myself the difference between a smear campaign which is what an, an emotionally abusive person does and, and, a, and a survivor of abuse who is saying this is what happened to me yeah and that you will always default and I what I was always like questioning like oh shit is, is this a smear campaign and I was like no it's fucking fact it happened and we have to talk about it.
1: Well, I also want to name that the doctor that was assigned to your case that came in, and they're a child family investigator, mm-hmm. right? That this, this, the person that was assigned to our case, we found out later through an investigation with ProPublica that their license has been suspended pending an investigation because it was found that he was missing 90% <sighs> of abuse in his cases. Yeah.
0: 90%. He's finally now no longer allowed to, to be a PRE or a CFI in Colorado.
1: Which is, an, it, it's, it's unbelievable to me. And I guess like, I gotta take a breath when I say this. Yeah. Um, I really hope that our world is finally shifting away from just because you are born into a certain body born into a certain color had access to anything that you've ever wanted are seen as a person of power privilege and therefore it's assumed knowledge like these systems are crumbling and you can't just hide behind that facade yeah and this is someone who he intimidated the shit out of me hmm Because that's my conditioning, right? Oh, mm-hmm. he's got it. he's been a PhD and just, you know, all these years of experience. And then recognizing this guy is full of shit.
0: Oh, like, he was literally just literally
1: full of shit.
0: He was just as <laughs> covert of an abuser as the person that we were fighting. Yeah. And, you know, the 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 fake vulnerability of like, oh, I'm really sorry, guys. Gotta go through this. And this is really, really t- I'm like, fuck off.
1: <laughs> if you were really sorry that we were having to go through this, you would have called it out.
0: Yeah. You would not have sided with the person who's abusing because now you're defending. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean, and and truthfully he didn't side with, Mm. he sided with you. He did. Right. And I, yes, but not, but, but I think what was bizarre about it is that, you know, the, the, he came across as very, he felt very, he, he came across as feeling a lot of sympathy for the abuser. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, I remember at one point we had had, it was like a two and a half hour, Second interview with him. Yeah. And all he kept saying to us is, Isn't he good enough? And I would really just like any mother that's out there listening right now, like, when are we ever held to a standard of, Aren't you just good enough? Yeah. It's just not the way that the world works. And so to have this, this fucker sitting there telling us like, yeah, I really, I do see the abuse. I see what you're talking about, but isn't he good enough?
0: Yeah. This is where I think this whole like black and white thinking versus, you know, the messiness of being human can really come into play. Cause there is, there has to be a, a, a place where you're like, no, just no. And, and I think for me, what was highlighted in that conversation, cause I literally, you were at the office and I was here. I had, I went out onto the back porch and I laid on the patio for an hour and a half and I was like shaking and my, my heart was racing. And I'm like, this is like, my trauma was re-triggered. Yeah. And so him with that narrative of trying to force me back into normalizing abuse my body was like no 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 you've worked too fucking hard for too fucking long to get to where you are you're going to hold your ground you're going to be okay and don't let anyone even this phd asshole talk you back into that abuse is okay Mm -hmm. that's where it's just like black and white no abuse is Mm -hmm. never okay yeah and um and so for me, uh, well, I, was, uh, I didn't, didn't finish that sentence, but for me, it was indicative of his own unprocessed trauma that he has not, um, somehow has not unpacked or he's so far down that normalized abuse. Right. And now he's doing it as a psychologist, causing even more harm.
1: I kind of wonder sometimes like in the way that the universe works, like how all of our uh, how our paths ended up intersecting, yeah, um, which I, I I don't know that I even or maybe you don't even need to spend some time thinking about that, but there's a i, I sometimes I do believe that the people come into your into your life for some reason or another, whether you've attracted them through your own um ability, but I, I will say like just to give our listeners an update like, the 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 abuse doesn't stop it. just changes form. yeah. And you, Alex, have been incredibly resilient and strong at just creating these boundaries where, of course we feel it. Of course, it 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 impacts our life, but in ways that I think are focused much more on resiliency than anything else, yeah. I think
0: I think in being in in um an athlete and being in fitness has really, taught me I mean it taught me physical resilience and um I just apply I don't know it's just how my brain worked that yeah. I apply that stuff to uh, th- shit hard shit
1: yeah what is Glenn and Doyle's things we can do hard things I also somehow like ended up on the side of TikTok of people that like hate Glenn and Doyle oh <laughs> I'm like, she's not that bad. Is there a hashtag? Where's Abby? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, I I, I mean, I, I understand like there's parts of Glennon Doyle that I'm like, girl, you got to just stop. Um, and I, I do like the fact that she speaks about things that, um, you know, sometimes are really not spoken about. And I like that she normalizes all of it. But mm-hmm. man, there's like a whole side of like people that like cannot stand her. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I do get the where's Abby because Abby's a freaking badass.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, patient, grounded, resilient. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um. Well, do we want to? Because I know we were just doing a quick like, hey, we're still here. We're you're gonna start getting um, episodes on our regular cadence again? Yes. Because we've at it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that we have on our list that we we need to talk about. L- movement is life. We
0: are. We got so much to say and so much to do, and um, you gotta stay tuned.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to to get back into it, and I um I I forgot there was one other book I wanted to tell people to read that I read oh, over yeah. this break, and that is Olga Dies Dreaming. Ooh, yes, which is um, if you if it, th- that book is again, it's like a historical fiction book, and it centers around Puerto Rico. And um, two different hurricanes that came through here and the experience of being um, Brooklyn and New York City and, and Puerto Rican families and Puerto Rican heritage. And that one also, I was like, damn, this book is good. I don't have enough time in my life to read all of the books. But that one too, I was like... I just loved it. I learned a lot about Puerto Rico. Mm. Um the history of Puerto Rico, um how even you know Puerto if you are of Puerto Rican descent you are a US citizen if you that you have citizenship but yet are treated as and you pay taxes, you pay certain types of taxes and I'm like can we go back to like the whole thing we said our revolutionary war was about which was no rep- no taxation without representation mm. and then how are we treating the folks of Puerto Rico who basically half the island is still without power after a two thousand seventeen hurricane. That would be the one where Trump came down and was throwing paper towels at people. Oh, that's yeah, horrible orange asshole. Anyway, um, <laughs> but that was the other book. Olga dies dreaming because you know I got to keep reading my like book or two books a week.
0: I think I just yeah when hearing the hearing the books and 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 as we move forward, like I remember five years ago learning. Uh, Dr. Jay telling me a sentence, which was "Go back to the beginning." Yeah, go back to the beginning um, before they told you who who you were. And I found that that sentence so maddening. And I, I but I, at, at the time it was because I didn't understand how I could, um, how I could, I didn't understand it. And I think just saying that is that you know when we talk about going back to the history of our country and the reality of of of. Who we are. That if we really want to heal, we got to go back to the beginning, yeah, and see the hard shit, and see the things that we did that created where we are now, and um, yeah, own it so we can move forward.
1: Absolutely. I mean, re- absolutely. I, I, this is going to be an entire episode for yeah. us, <laughs> um, because it touches so much on the work that, like, I personally do, um, professionally do but the fear and the narrative that has been put around critical race theory, which again, is a college level understanding of how race and racism impact systems. It is mind blowing to me. Well, actually it's not like, it's not mind blowing. It is the continuation of white fragility and whiteness and exceptionalism around whiteness that people do not want to understand our history. And it's, disgusting. Like you, you have to, if you want to heal, you have to, as you just said, you have to go back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so that, that home home going is one of the best historical fiction books I've read that takes you back to the beginning. Yeah. Um, and it also helps you understand. I mean, I can sit here and tell you like, go read new Jim Craw or Jim Crow. Sorry. Like you, you, you can, you can read inclusion on purpose. You can read dear white women. Like you can read all of these books, but without, I think the baseline understanding of lived experience, mm-hmm. that's what y- you need to kind of like put all the pieces together. Yeah. Um. And don't be afraid of it. You're going to be fine reading it. Yeah. You're going to be uncomfortable and you're going to be really fucking sad. And you're probably like, there's parts that I'm like, I'm sick to my stomach. That does not compare. It doesn't compare to the actual trauma that if that is your lived experience and that is your generational trauma that you've inherited, there's another um concept with this, and then I swear to God I'm gonna shut up, but no yeah so- there's a, a a lot of times when we talk about like um, tr- you know trauma stays in the body, and you've talked about this a lot,, yeah. right? It,
0: it lives in the body, yeah, it
1: lives in the body. And so when when I think about there's all different ways to think about racial generational trauma, but that shit stays in the body. Right. And there's, it it can be in your DNA. Yeah. And so we have generations of people that have this DNA. Right. And if we choose to ignore it Mm -hmm. because you're uncomfortable as a white person, I need you to think about what does that say to the person who's actually experienced that trauma? The gaslighting that you are doing, and it just—I'm sorry. There's, there's to me, there's no excuse for not. There's so much out there that you can do the work required to understand, and then hopefully promote healing. Yeah, I think what what is is
0: terrifying to hear some people say is that there is no problem. (laughs) No, this doesn't exist. I'm fine you know, I am who I am. I, you know, I am, you know, this is just the way it is. And I'm like, if you're so rigid that you can't even be open to have the fucking courage to have a conversation, to think, huh, maybe I'm wrong about this. And, and my way of thinking is hurting a lot of people. And like, it's like, what do you do with, it's like a, when the therapist, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of going down like, what do you do with that? Well, I think it goes to self-awareness.
1: But let's go to, <laughs> let's go to the talking point, right? The yeah. talking point is, oh my God, it's going to be so hard for white children to learn this. It's going to hurt their feelings because they're white. We're going to demonize them because they're white. No
0: one ever died from a hurt feeling.
1: Well, and also <laughs> no one ever died from a feeling. And also that's not fucking true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just y- your white kid is going to be okay to learn this. In fact, they're going to be better off because then they can be a part of promoting healing based off of something real. They can realize that their feelings are not the only feelings to be centered. Mm-hmm. You will be a better fucking human. You will be a more empathetic, a more understanding. You know, if you don't learn history, you are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. Like, these are all positive byproducts of like, you can take feeling uncomfortable. I love there's an image of Ruby Bridges going to school Yeah, and they're like, if, and you see all the protesters around her screaming, they're like, if that child was able to do this, your child is perfectly fine to learn about it. Oh, right. So totally. that's my, so I am going to, I, one of the things I wanted to do on this podcast is I was, I was told by a, a very um, gifted person that I need to continue to use my voice and my communication. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I'm vowing to do on this podcast is because I am a white woman. um, I did not want to keep my head in the sand. Yeah. It was a choice. And that choice, when you hear people say, I can't do the work for you, mm-hmm. right? The way that I translate that, there's lots of different ways to translate it. It's not one thing. But one of the key things was I needed to understand where there was gaps in my own education Mm -hmm. and in my own socialization. And I had to intentionally work to fill those. That means for me, it meant reading and taking in the lived experience that I was not given through traditional American education. Yeah, That's the work I'm doing. And then I take that work and then I apply it in ways that impact systems yeah it's not super complicated but I think the reason people don't do it is because you're you're scared of what you're gonna feel
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and that it does it takes intentional work. And so for f- friends that I have in like the Dei field like you can talk about inclusion all day long. if you really can't go and understand the the, the history that has made these systems what they are, you're missing a really key component mm-hmm. that you just have to do yeah and nobody can do that for you. Yeah. So I will, as a, as a, as a, as a point, I will continue to share with folks on here. Like this is what I came across this week. This is what I've chosen to to read. Um, I'll continue to do that. Yeah. And if you don't like it, then you got some. Maybe try a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that part. Because <laughs> take a guess how much I'm going to want to talk about Florida. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> on that note we're done for today on that note we'll thanks. see you next week
0: yeah thank you all for listening um come find us on how to be queer podcast uh at gmail.com if you want to email us you can also go to social media f- facebook how to be queer instagram how to be queer with underscores in between each word um and find us on tiktok if you want to that's where we you know we're silly and have some fun in, yeah, you
1: see a totally different side of us. Other
0: ways, yeah. Um, we'll put all of the links to the books and social media in the
1: profile. You, and it feels good to be back. It feels really good to be back. I'm free. I'm <laughs> free again. Yeah, but, but that being said, if you, if you ever feel like you need a break in life and you, and you have the privilege to take it, take it. Yes.
0: Ooh, we can have a, a session or an a, a, a episode about recovery, micro, macro, and habitual Oh shit. I love you. <laughs> <laughs>